Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. God, thank you for Nellie's heart to teach and for her like love of the Bible. I pray that that would like, we would catch it. She, guys, she just loves the Bible. I just, I, I admire that so much in you, and I want more. So thank you that she, I just pray that she impart that to us today. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Nice to see everybody. I really love this family. And I love, I love it as it changes, and I love as um, new folks come in and... Um, you know, even as we say goodbye to people, I love this family. That's the nature of family, hellos and goodbyes. So today we're going to talk about the generosity of God. This is um, uh, one part in a series we've been in um, that we're finishing soon, where we've been looking at different aspects of God's character. And I'm excited. Oh, sorry, this is the God of love. It should say the generosity of God. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about God's generosity because um, I, f- I feel like I've really experienced a great deal of this aspect of, of who God is. Um, why don't you stand with me? Let's read this verse from James that is up on the screen here. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows, James 1. You can have a seat. It's nice to read the the word aloud sometimes. It helps us process it in a new way. Um, So when you think of generosity, um, I think most of us, we think of probably two things. Um, We think of generosity in terms of money. We probably maybe think about generosity in terms of time. Uh, but as I prepared for this message and was really asking God what he wanted me to share today, uh, interestingly enough, I don't think we're going to talk much about those two things. Even though I have experienced God in his generosity as a provider uh, in pr- pretty supernatural ways, I'm more than happy to talk with you about that at lunch. It feels like a recurring theme in my life where I continually have these crazy stories of God providing how many of you know that one of, one of God's names uh, in the Old Testament is Jehovah-Jireh, which is God is a provider, essentially. So I'd love to talk with you about that. Um, and God's also extremely generous in, in his time, giving, giving of his time with us. I, I talked about this a handful of weeks ago when we looked at God's presence as one of, his, one of the aspects of his character, He's so generous in showing up to be with us. But we're not going to look at those two, time and money, that much today. Um, There's a lot of overlap, though. There's tons of overlap between God's generosity and many of the other things that we've talked about today. One is with um, his mercy. So through God's mercy, we see so much of his generous heart. Right, And it's easy to just kind of take these things for granted. Um, 
but we know the scriptures tell us that he, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. And it says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And scripture speaks of mercy triumphing over judgment. His mercy is so generous towards us. But there's a ton of overlap as well with his faithfulness. Even when we are not faithful to him, he is faithful to us. And the whole narrative of the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament, you'll see this over and over and over again. And um, it's just moved from Wednesday mornings to Monday mornings, but on Monday mornings I lead a, um, a Bible study where we've been going through the minor and major prophets. And it is almost like a repetitive song. It's like a song on repeat. God's faithfulness to his people, even when they're not faithful to him. And we are so part of that, <laughs> guys. It's one of the reasons why I, I love um, really spending time with the Lord in scripture because it reminds me of who I am <laughs> and also connects who I am to a greater story, so a greater narrative. So um, you may find in coming weeks, we may be doing some practical things to learn how to study the Bible, study the Bible on our own more. But interestingly enough, I found the generosity of God to come through pretty clearly to me lately in God as a judge. So this is going to feel maybe a little weird. You wouldn't expect to hear about God as a judge in a talk on his generosity. But this is where I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me. So how could God's judgment be generous? Well, um, I thought it was really uh, interesting this morning that Jaws opened worship with Psalm 19. Um, because I was preparing to actually talk about something similar to that. Uh, that passage. Let me read to you just again what, what, he had written, uh, what he had read from up front. I won't read the whole thing, but. Keep back your servant from the insolent, and that could also mean from proud thoughts. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's so interesting to me that all throughout the songbook of the Bible, you find these pleas as part of the songs for God to search our hearts. And I found, um, just recently, I, I, I've been kind of half-heartedly praying this prayer from Psalm 139, um, 24, See if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Um, that, that word hurtful, it, it's different in different translations, but essentially, is there anything in me that needs to be changed that's hurting me and hurting others, God? Maybe even hurting you. So as I've been, like I said, kind of half-heartedly praying this, God in his generosity has been very gently unmasking me. And what I'm finding is 
where I'm experiencing his generosity is in saying to my heart and mind, putting his finger on things and saying, hey, this isn't who you are. Why don't you take off that mask? Why don't you take off that costume you're wearing right now? Because you want to fit in or because you've gotten used to doing something that is really not who you are. And so, rather than be, being very vague in that confession, let me give you a very specific example of how God's kind of put his finger on something in me. So, um, I found myself getting caught up in this news cycle, maybe you have too, in this rapidly ferocious news cycle where it's very easy to continue to check in, read the news, read for me, I, I usually will read Twitter or other social media sites. And because for me on Twitter, I follow a lot of really smart writers that are extremely snarky, maybe the snarkiest of snark in the world, they will say the most sardonic things about what's going on in our political system today. And what I'm finding is that as I participate in that groove, I feel like the Lord has been saying, hey, that's not who you really are. <laughs> what if you took the opposite approach and prayed for the XYZ person that you're mocking right now? And it's been really um, eye-opening for me. The passage that for whatever reason keeps coming to my mind is in Isaiah 9. Does anybody have a Bible or access to one? Or P.S., you should bring your Bibles to church. It's a good practice. <laughs> um, if anyone has Isaiah 9, turn to that for me um, because I would love for you to read something for me. Let me know if anyone has it. Anyone? Do you? Okay. Hang on, let me give you the... Okay. I'm, I'm stalling, I'm stalling. Uh, start with verse 6. No, it's not going to be up there. Oh, yeah, thanks. It is up there. Chris, you're pretty good. You have it? Okay. Verse 6? Yeah, read 6 and 7. Okay, one sec. Just make sure I'm on the right one. Okay. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And all God's people said, Amen. That's the vision of life that we have to have in front of us at all times. That this is what we're in the midst of, even when everything looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket. That Jesus is at work restoring all things, and he is, at, he is at work in making all things new, and we get to be a part of that. And so on a personal level, I'm experiencing God's generosity in showing me where I'm not participating in that. Does that make sense? So, it was almost like the Holy Spirit played this little like WWJD game with me 
just recently because he's, that verse came to mind. And it was like he said um, to, from Isaiah 7 where it says, in, most, in some translations it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I like the old school translation where it says of the increase because it, it's an image of it's ever increasing. And I felt like the Lord said, of the increase of your snarkiness, there will be no end. And it was this juxtaposition where I realized, wow, I'm not participating in the kingdom in this moment. I'm not being shaped to become more like Jesus. And I, I had to say, I'm sorry, Lord, help me. Reshape my habits. So in his generosity towards me, this has been a very tangible thing just this month where I have a propensity to reach towards the news cycle in my free time, which is, we have so much free time, it feels like, in all of the, the cracks of our time during the day. The number of times I look at my phone just blows my mind. In the month of August, well, right at the end of July, this poet friend of mine basically challenged me to read a book of poetry a day in the, in the month of August. Now, now, most books of poetry are anywhere between like 30 pages long for a chapbook to like maybe at most 90 to 100 pages for a manuscript, much shorter than a normal book. And so I said to myself, wow, I really need to do that. So what's happened, and I've found just in the last three weeks, that as I've been tempted to reach back into that land of Snarkville, in becoming a masterful critic of all things, and that being a temptation for me, it's almost like Jesus himself has been a gate and generously put a book of poetry in my hand and said, no, 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 read this, <laughs> really. <laughs> and it's, it's guarded my heart, guys, in ways that I can't explain. In a, in a way that doing it every day, I've experienced the generosity of God protecting me from myself. Because we, we are what we repeatedly do. <laughs> and we become what we repeatedly look, look at. So in God's generosity, he's given us Jesus himself, who's the ultimate picture of God's generosity. And I love what it says in Philippians 2, where it describes the character of Jesus holding nothing back, even though he could have shown all of his majesty of heaven and he could have come with all the privilege that comes with being the son of God. But instead, this is what he did. Being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so I've been blown away even this week with the reality of how God's generosity in Jesus is so radical because of his forgiveness. 
And if the church of Jesus today isn't marked by forgiveness, we're missing the whole story. (laughs) And so even in the most dark and impossible places, the Lord's inviting us to partner with him in his kingdom and forgive and forgive and forgive, even at great cost to ourselves. Because God's generosity always costs him something. It's costly. Being generous is costly. It costs us something. I want to show you a video that I've been kind of surprised hasn't gotten more airtime. This is the dad of of Heather Hayer, I think is her name, who was killed in the Charlottesville um, tragedy this past weekend or last week. And I want us to hear this. This is her dad talking about uh, how he has reacted to her death. My my daughter was a, a strong woman that had passionate opinions about the equality of everyone. And she tried to stand up for that. And with her, it wasn't lip service. It was real, you know? It was something that she wanted to share with everyone, you know? And my thoughts about all of this stuff is that people need to stop hating and they need to forgive each other, you know? And I include myself in that in forgiving the guy that did this, okay? He don't know no better. You know, I just think of what the Lord said on the cross. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, you know? My daughter's life, she's, I'm proud of her. Proud of her for standing up. She had more courage than I did. She had a stubborn backbone that if she thought she was right, she would stand there and defy you. But if I understand her, she wanted to do it peacefully. And, you know, with a fierceness of heart, you know, that that comes with her conviction, you know? And I hope all of this stuff that's come out isn't twisted into something negative, but there comes a positive change in people's hearts, in their thinking, in their understanding of their neighbor. We just need to forgive each other, you know? And I hope that's what comes out of all this, you know, so. It's powerful, isn't it? It's a pretty incredible testimony of what happens when you've been touched by the generosity of God and Jesus. And this kind of response is almost impossible to wrap our brains around. I think that's part of the reason why it hasn't gotten a lot of airplay. Because the 
the human flesh response is to just hate back. Now, let it be known that racism in all forms and white supremacy is evil. It's from the pit of hell. And let us all search our hearts where there's even a hint of racism or for those of us who are white, we are experiencing white privilege and leveraging it. That's something we have to repent of. And we have to be good at calling evil evil, even in ourselves, before we point the finger to someone else. And I hope that that's shared from the microphone of every church in the world. But the generosity of God in Jesus and in forgiveness will change the world. And so as we start to wrap up here, there's, there's two things I want to leave with us. Uh, one is, uh, I want to talk very briefly about God's generosity being given to us so that it can be multiplied in our hands. Kind of like the way Jesus, when he was feeding the 5,000, he took what the disciples had in their hands and just multiplied it. He gave, he gave thanks for what they were holding and he just multiplied it because that is a pattern, that is a, that is a fact of what happens in the kingdom. Because what God gives us in his generosity is meant to be multiplied, not hoarded. And that requires something of us, that requires us to be active in generosity, in big and in small ways. And we see this just one of the cornerstone stories in the Old Testament in Genesis 12, when the, the people of God are being created as a nation through Abraham. And he, God calls to Abram, which was his name at the time, and says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. He goes on to talk about, this is called the Abrahamic blessing. This is so important because it, it's something that we get to take part in. It's something we've been grafted into. The idea that we have been given something so that it could be given away to others, not just to one or two, three people, but for the whole world. This was implanted with the people of Israel in Genesis 12. And that's our calling, <laughs> and so it's going to take some work to figure out where we're hoarding God's generosity in our own life. It's going to take some praying Psalm 19. <laughs> it's going to take some search me, O Lord, and see if there's any offensive way in me kind of prayers, which costs us something. Because it's a lot easier to just come and get together and feel good. It actually, it actually hurts to look at yourself and to let the Lord unmask us in this way. So the second thing I want to look at, if you could pull up that number two slide, Chris. Yeah. Is that we actually have to notice the areas in our life where we're rejecting God's generosity. There was a time in my life where... Um, it was really weird. It felt like the Lord 
was continually saying to me in different ways, receive. And that was the word I just kept hearing, receive, receive. And there was part of me that was like, fine, what, do you, what is it? And I couldn't see the ways that I was blocking God's generosity, just in my own pride. Sometimes that looks like self-reliance. Sometimes it looks like not pausing in my day to ask God, hey, how are you? What do you want to show me right now in relationship? And so I think that in this moment, God wants to ask us and show us where we may not be receiving his generosity in some area of our life. This could be spiritual, it could be financial, it could be emotional, it could be someone who is trying to make things right with you in a relationship that you're resisting, and God's, in his generosity, trying to rebuild something. It could be like, like me, where God's challenging you to receive his generosity in the love of enemy. <laughs> the folks that we feel like are our enemies, God's inviting us to love. So what I'd like to do is I'm going to invite Sue's up, and um, during ministry time, we're going to pray through two things together. Um, if you go on to that last slide, Chris. The questions that I want to ask is, where am I resisting receiving God's generosity in my life? And maybe that question doesn't resonate as much with you, and maybe you need to think about this. Number two, where have I received God's generosity, but I'm, hoard I'm hoarding it? for myself? Where am I resisting giving it away? And I'm going to invite Suze to come and listen to the Lord on our behalf and lead us through this. <clears throat> Honestly, I just feel like um, I'm going to pray over us one more time, but I just feel like we need to sit in this for three or four minutes and not, there'll be a couple words before we go, but we have about 20 minutes before we end. I just feel like it's really easy to move on, but this is like the, this is why we're here, guys, to be transformed in these areas. So I'm going to pray over us and then read this over, uh, read these questions. And if you could just close your eyes and try to, God, I just thank you. The intimacy with you is what we are cultivating. So I pray for courage and the ability to unfold places of our souls that we didn't know we could do. I'm going to just sit in this. I'm going to read these over you again. Keep your eyes closed if you feel comfortable. Where am I resisting receiving God's generosity in my life? And where have I received God's generosity but hoarded it for myself? I'm going to sit in this for three minutes. Where am I resisting receiving God's generosity in my life? And where have I received God's generosity but hoarded it for myself? Mm -hmm. 